0: God, we just thank you for an opportunity uh, to come together and to uh, to worship you. To look higher than the situations that we're facing, God, we just stir our hearts. We make a choice, church family. Would you just make a choice with me this morning, just to stir your heart with encouragement? Just to choo- I just choose to encourage myself and God today. The fact that I woke up it just encourages me to know that God's not. When I woke up and my eyes opened this morning and I took that first gasp of air, it was a reminder that God's not done with my life, God's not done with my job, God's not done with my family, God's not done with my future. He's working. So this morning, despite the situations that we are facing, God, we just create an open canvas for you to paint upon our hearts today. That you would minister to us in a way that only God can. That you would speak through my mouth. That you go beyond the words that I articulate, communicate, to give answers to people who are needing answers today. God, for all of us today, that people would encounter you in a real way. Not just church, but God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sam. If you have your Bibles, let's look in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read at the NIV this morning, and starting in verse 5. We're picking up the story. Jesus has just started his earthly ministry, and this is kind of prior to him uh, recruiting his disciples, kind of just the beginning of it. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse 5. It says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret, which was Galilee, the Bible says the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge then two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Everybody say washing their nets. He then got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who later would be named Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people that were kind of encroaching upon him from the boat. Verse four says, when he'd finished speaking, he said then to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and we honestly, we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, the Bible says they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. So they signaled their partners uh, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, think about this, they came and filled both boats so full that the boats actually began to sink, just full of fish. When Simon Peter saw this, the Bible says he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James And John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Verse 11 says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I don't know if you know this. uh, There's this one music artist named Mike Posner. And uh, he, he he has incredible kind of music history. Kind of started from small beginnings. Uh, incredible lyricist, uh, maker of music. Several years back, he had a hit song that kind of like every musician kind of dreams of having. If I could have that one hit song, climb to the number one charts. It's a way of of making money, kind of creating stability for you as an artist, because there's a lot of artists that aren't celebrated uh, by people in our communities and our world, not taken very seriously. And so he had kind of achieved this this pinnacle, and at the the the, the, the kind of like the. Uh, the time of achieving this great uh, this great uh, feat, he uh, has this epiphany, which I'll talk about in a second, and it drives him to kind of set out on a journey to accomplish a childhood dream. I don't know, you know what your story is, but we all kind of have these childhood dreams. I had one that uh, as I grew up and kind of got into college, I had this dream that I thought it would always be cool uh, to get a Volkswagen bus because I heard that they can run on like vegetable oil or like grease, like if you traveled. And so I had this like, you know, it'd be really cool is to drive like coast to coast with a bunch of friends, go from spot to spot, don't have to pay for gas. just. So it was like a, a dream of mine. Well, he had this, this dream, that this idea, this kind of thing that what would be really cool is if I walked across the United States. So this guy who, who is extremely successful in the public eye at the, at the peak of his, of his public career, he makes this decision that he's going to walk across the United States. He starts on the East Coast and uh, he begins walking. And of course, the excitement of, of something new, like everybody's like, you're going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Everybody's pumped up and excited. He experiences hardships along the way. He gets bit by a rattlesnake. It's the crazy story. He gets bit by a rattlesnake in the midst of his journey. He has to take a, take a little bit of time off to heal, but he doesn't quit. He, he keeps going. And, uh, in fact, if you, if you haven't heard about this story, I, I brought a video clip uh, from his Instagram that he's been posting. Ch- check this out. Mike Posner. I'm in a bad mood. Missed the turn today. Storms are brewing. Headed my way. When I first got back on the walk from the rattlesnake bite, I had all this inspiration. Had my music on, got off the plane, had hoodie on, was ready to go. A week later that is gone. Can't rely on being in a good mood or feeling inspired. I'm inspired like once Every few weeks sometimes, just gotta show up anyway. I'm in a bad mood, but guess what I'm doing? Walking. And when I'm in a good mood, guess what I'm doing? Walking. Doesn't matter how I feel, I show up anyway. Keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, isn't that incredible, first of all? Okay. So, so he's, con- he's continued the journey. What's, what's probably most fascinating, in fact, in this next week, he, he's, he's made it to California. i encourage you to track this story. It's just really, really crazy. He's made it to California, and he'll be finishing his journey this week. I want to talk about this epiphany that he had, though, um, that kind of pushed him to step out and do this. He, he began to think about these dreams that so many of us have that we have forsaken. You have these things in your life, things that you thought, you know it would be cool one day to do? You know what I think really would be awesome? You know what would be something that, that man, if, if the scenario was right, if I had the money, if I had the influence, if I had the time, uh, you, those types of things. He came to this realization that all of the reasons that we have for not stepping out and chasing the dreams that we have, all of the reasons that we have for not going after these great ideas, these great things that we could do to actually make this world a better place, to make our families a better place, uh, to to make our vocational life a a better world, all of these reasons that we have. Here's his epiphany. Nobody cares. All all of these reasons, I can't because nobody cares. I'm titling this message, the very empathetic, sympathetic title, No One Cares. No one cares. When we pick up the story, uh, Simon has found himself having a bad day at work. I think you should be encouraged because he'd let later be a pioneer of the Christian faith. Started with a bad day at work, if you've had a bad day at work. He's cleaning his nets because he's worked all night, has caught no fish. I can only imagine the situation that he was in. Probably a situation many of us find ourselves in today. I need something new. This is getting really old. This situation that I'm facing, this obstacle that I'm up against, the financial turmoil that I'm going through, the relational turmoil that I'm going through, I'm a little bit tired of working really hard. I'm really a little bit tired of doing everything that I know to do, and it still doesn't seem to be working. I find myself at the end of every day just washing my nets, feeling unproductive. I need something new. I need something fresh. I'm looking, I'm praying to God. God, would you open a door? Would you favor me? Would you show me the direction? To go. Can I get an amen this morning? Has anybody ever been in that position? As Peter, as Simon is, is sitting here cleaning his nets, I can only imagine what it would have been like, discouraged, depressed in one of these situations. I don't know what's going to come next, but I certainly need something next. Maybe Andrew, who was his friend, sitting next. Hey, Simon, do you, do you see this guy and looking up? Who, who is that guy? Is that that, is that that Jesus guy? Yeah, I think that I've heard stories about him. Do you see all of these people that are following this man, Simon? Yeah, wow, I've never seen anything like this. All of a sudden in this, this pit of despair, this pit of discouragement, a little bit of excitement, you know, kind of look forward to those moments in life when you're discouraged, just a little bit of excitement. Jesus comes and he, Jesus, Jesus is so funny. He, he doesn't say much. He just steps into Simon's boat and he asked Simon, Hey, could you take this boat and kind of just pull away from shore for a minute? And you got to picture the scenario. You got to picture the mob of people that was pressing, pressing Jesus so much that he couldn't just teach them from shore. He needed a little space so that he could teach them uh, from a distance that would be safe to him. I mean, this is, this is a site that would be larger than life. This is before sound systems and lights and smokes, smoke and, and, and production gear and equipment that would enable us to do things that are larger than life. We're relying on communication and articulation. Could you imagine what it would be like to hear Jesus minister? I mean, could you I mean you think about him as a Bible character, but to think about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people would gravitate towards a man because the way that he communicated was so captivated, it gave me hope. Did Jesus maybe in this moment perform a few miracles? Did he reach out and tell somebody that man, there's somebody here and they're they're deaf and they're gonna get their hearing back as Jesus began to minister? I could imagine Peter, Simon, who was at the end of his robe all of a sudden getting a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of hope. Hum- oh man, this is exactly what I need. Just a little bit of a side note. Anytime you find yourself in a position of desperation, you gotta be careful what you're surrounding yourself with because all inspiration suddenly becomes enticing. And we live in a world that is just surrounded with psychobabble. You can get on Instagram and find yourself a quote that don't make sense and you'll tell all your friends, this is so good. Well, you know why? You know why you tell all your friends that this is so good and it doesn't even make sense? Because you're desperate. And when you're desperate, you rely on inspiration. I'm just looking for something new. I'm just looking for something fresh. I could imagine Simon being in a position where he's just inspired, just excited. And most people in life, we live this way just on inspiration, inspiration to inspiration. There's many people that showed up to church this morning because I need my shot in the arm so that I can get through another week because I'm depressed and I'm full of anxiety and I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with my job and I'm frustrated with my family and I'm frustrated with my marriage. I need inspiration, inspiration, inspiration. But Jesus is a master leader. And at the end of at the end of inspiring Simon, he doesn't just leave Simon in a land called inspiration. He challenges him because inspiration should always lead to something. I talked about this before. Inspiration has to lead to transformation. In other words, this excitement feeling that I feel when I come into a room and a worship band begins to sing and I get goosebumps and I feel God moving and doing something. When our pastor gets up here and encourages us, man, it may look small today, but it's not going to stay small. It just means that God's not done all this sudden it does something on the inside of my heart but can I tell you something today that thing that it does on the inside of my heart if it doesn't move me to transformation what am I talking about if it does not move me to change it's all for naught and that seems a little bit it seems a little bit heavy on this day that I've titled this message no one cares but you really you really desire change does anybody need their finances to change does anybody need their relational situation to change does anybody, does anybody need, need change as it pertains to their peace of mind, as it pertains to their inward world? Does anybody need, could you use a little bit of change in your family? Huh? Could, 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 you, could, you, could, you, could you use a little bit of change? Well, the nature of change is it requires something of me. Like we think about the excitement of change, but in order for things to change, you got to change. Right, there's a shift that has to happen. This is where I talk about you have the excitement of new, the excitement of inspiration, but then there's also the pain of different. What am I talking about? That means I'm gonna have to do something different than what I'm doing now if I wanna take this thing called inspiration and see it become transformation in my life. Something that actually moves past this moment that actually empowers me in my day-to-day life. So I'm not just running trying to get church weekend to weekend to weekend. So Jesus asked Peter to do something because this is what inspiration should always require if it's true inspiration. At the end of ministering, imagine Simon just tracking with me this morning. He's excited. Okay. This is God's maybe, maybe this is the thing that I've been looking for. Jesus then says to Simon, he says, here's what I want you to do. Can we now? I know you, you helped me out here. Let's go, let's go out into the deep. And then when we go out into the deep, those nets that you've been cleaning, throw those nets into the water and let's catch some fish. Okay, so so Peter, Simon in this, in this situation is probably thinking, okay, I was inspired. I was really willing to do anything. If you wanted me to tote you around, maybe we could do some more of these little side gigs that we've been doing, I would be okay with that. But the fact that you want me to launch out into the deep, I've already been there. Please don't make me do that. I don't want to do that. Have you ever been in a position in life where you knew you needed to do something, but man, it seemed like the most inconvenient thing at the time, I don't want to do that. But the funny thing about humanity, is we can't say, I don't want to do that. We, we have to justify why I don't want to do that with reasons. C- case in point, somebody can get up here and talk about, tithe, let's use tithing, for example. We can't just say, I don't want to do that. What do we, ha- what, what do, we do? We give reasons as, oh, I'm going to get in your business this morning. We give reasons as to why I don't want to do that. I, and, and here's some of the reasons, here's some of the cop-outs. You know, all the church wants is your money. You know, that's an Old Testament principle. You know, that doesn't really bear witness with my spirit. Why can't you just say, I don't, I don't want to do that? When, when it comes to relational things, God says, you know, I want to work in your relationships, but you're going to have to stop being such of a control freak. You're going to have to stop trying to manipulate and micromanage relations. And you, and you think you can't say, I don't, I don't want to do that. I like manipulating. I like being controlling. We don't like owning it on that level. I would rather say, yeah, but you don't know our history. Like, you know, they've done something in their past and it kind of marks our future. So I can't trust them like I used to trust them. And God, sometimes God is looking to see if you will trust him or if you have more confidence in yourself and your ability. And I've come to propose an idea this morning, first and foremost, that, that all of these reasons that you have, that kind of justify your position as to why you can't have the life that you desire, no one cares. No one cares. People care about you. People care about the things that you're going through. But the reasons that you have, I would love to do that, but whatever is in the middle, whatever's coming after that statement, Nobody cares about that thing. If you're taking notes this morning, write down number one. No one cares about your excuses. I'm coming in strong this morning. I'm gonna say it with a smile though. (laughs) No one cares about your excuses. Here's a softer version. No one is passionate about the reasons that you have for not going after your dreams. That's like an easier way to say it. No one cares about your excuses. Excuses are funny because excuses are, I would love to, but I can't because. Here's the here's the reason that I can't. I, I, have, I have excuses. I have reasons. And really, excuses are funny because we make these excuses we say to help people understand ar- around us, but really the reason we make excuses is so that we feel better about the decisions that we're making. I want to give an excuse to you so that I feel I have your support in the decision that I'm making. You ever been around somebody? This happens. I think it's so funny when this happens. Mark my words. You'll see this happen in scenarios where you call out to some, Maybe I have somebody stand standing with me right here, and I call up to somebody and say, hey, and they walk by and they, and they don't hear you, and then you have to, 100% of the time, you always say to the person next to you, oh, they didn't hear me, and it's the funniest thing, because the person next to you already knows they didn't hear you, but you don't want to feel silly, so you say it out loud, they didn't hear me, they already know they didn't hear you, but you got to say it out loud so you don't feel silly, this is what's happening when you give excuses, you know this, right? Uh, you know, I can't, because, you know, we had some unexpected bills, nobody cares about your unexpected bills, sis, like, no- nobody cares, we, we all get on, we all got unexpected bills, you understand? We all have relational trauma. We all have somebody that did something crazy in our life that we should have trusted them, and we did trust them. And I can't believe we, we, nobody cares because we all have experienced that. And so when we talk about our excuses, what are we really doing? I'm trying to make me feel better about what I'm going through. And here's, here's the challenge with excuses. Is as long as you're determined in your life to make excuses about the things that you can't go after and the things that you accomplish, you will never get better. I was talking with my son about this, and I got to stop using him in examples because he watches YouTube videos to fall asleep of me preaching. And I was telling him at his, at his game, uh, he, he, he had a couple mess-ups at his football game. And I said, son, you, you, come on, you, you can do this. Like, we practice this. Like, if the ball touches your fingers, you got to catch those. Yeah, but, 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 but also they didn't throw. I said, listen. If, we're, if you're going to make excuses, you're never going to be able to get better. And the same thing is true in your life. If you're going to make excuses about your marriage, if you're going to make excuses about trusting God, if you're going to make excuses about your finances, if you're going to make excuses about if you're going to make excuses about anything in life. It's impossible for your, it's impossible, it's impossible for your life to get better. You know why? Because you, re, you refuse to assume responsibility that you have any control over the situation. This, this is what feels good about having excuses because I'm a victim. It's out of my control. The problem with this is you live your life on the defense the majority of people in this room, we live life on the defense. I got to just just gotta watch out. If we keep things like this, let's just manage things. Let's just hide. Let's just keep things safe. We live life on the defense, but God did not put you on the face of the planet to live life on the defense. He created you to live life on the offense, taking ground, taking steps, moving mountains, starting businesses, making your family better, making your vocational life better. He has created you to live on the offense. In fact, the Bible says that defense is actually God's job everything in scripture you know what it paints God as a defender this is why he is my strong tower this is why he is my place of refuge and so much of the time I try to be that and as long as I'm trying to be defender God can't God wants his role back I'm here to tell somebody this morning who's been living on the defense playing it safe it's time for you to take ground God needs steps to establish a man's heart plans his way but the Lord directs or establishes his steps God wants you on the offense. God wants you taking territory. And a lot of times we don't like to be on the offense because it's not safe. Because sometimes to live life on the offense requires you to be offensive. What am I saying? Not everybody's going to like your offensive behavior. People don't want you succeeding and thriving. Do we not get this? Why? Because most, most Americans, most people in society, we're comfortable with our excuses. They keep us safe. If, if you're going to live in a life on the offense, there's a chance that people are going to be offended. People aren't going to like the decisions that you make. And you have to realize your job, you were not put on the face of the planet to make everybody happy with you. You were were not put on this planet to make your mom and your dad and your uncle and your aunt and to make your boss and all of your friends and all of your family members agree with you. You were put here to model a life after Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He walked into rooms and says, I smell sickness and sickness can't stay here. I smell poverty and poverty can't stay here. What am I talking about? A life on the offense that things have to change. Things have to move. Things can't stay the same. We have a mission to accomplish. We have a mountain to take. We have things that have been harassing you for long enough in your lineage and in your family i'm talking about generational things that it's time that you break those chains it's time that you step up out of your defensive behaviors and mentality and get on the offense i think sometimes we settle for a life on the defense because it's safe this is the picture of just sitting here cleaning my nets why are you cleaning your nets you didn't catch any fish just sitting here cleaning my nets because it's pretty sitting here cleaning my nets because it seems like our family's got it all together to sitting here cleaning my nets because we want the image of pretty, we want the image of perfect. We'd rather embrace a life that is pretty than one that is problematic but productive. In life, you have to realize that you were created for a storm. Nets were made to get messy. Nets were made to get messy. Your reputation, if your reputation isn't a little bit messy, I'm concerned about you. Like, what are you What are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? Like, if people aren't questioning your motives and questioning your decisions and having opinions about you that are cross-grained to maybe reality, my thing is, are you going for anything? Are you dreaming big about anything? Are you actually living life on the offense? Man, because when you go after it, you know what has to happen? Your life's got to get a little bit dirty. Your nets have to get a little bit dirty, and sometimes it's not safe. But I'm here to tell you that space between where you're at and you where you want to be and the excuses that you have for why you can't get there, nobody cares. The funny thing about people who make excuses is most of us say, I don't make excuses, right? Like, nobody wants to admit. We'll say, I'm not, excuse, I'm not making excuses. I'm just explaining. <laughs> I'm just explaining. I'm not, no, 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 no. It's not an excuse. It's just, I'm just just—I'm explaining. But the re- reason that I'm explaining is because I want to be understood. You don't need to be understood. That's not the goal. That's not, the, that's not God's goal. Go explain yourself and be understood. No. That's, that's not what, what, he, what He wants you to do. And sometimes it's hard for me to see the. How do I know if I'm maybe an excuse maker? Here's a couple of just telltale signs. Excuse makers are always tired, they're always exhausted in, in life. If you find yourself always tired, drained, exhausted, and don't know why, chances are you're making excuses. Why, what am I ta- why are you tired? Because you're a victim, you're getting beat around by life. Defense is always more tiring than offense. When, you, when you're playing on the defense because you're, you're reacting, you're not, you're not actively, hey, here's what we're going to do, here's where we're going to go. You're reacting to what's happening. You're always going to be more tired because you can't see what's coming. If you find yourself tired in life, chances are you may be an excuse maker. So people who <laughs> make excuses usually are tired. Secondly, they're tiring. They make everybody around them tired. <laughs> So people who make excuses, a lot of times you don't have a lot of friends. You don't have very many meaningful relationships. And this is where I talk, people get excited about when I say statements that I said last week, like go places, don't go, don't go where you're tolerated, go where you're celebrated. But a lot of times the reason that I'm tolerated is because I'm tiring. (laughs) A lot of times the reason that people don't want to be around me is because I'm tiring, tiring, the reason that I'm tiring is because I just have excuses, Nobody cares. Number one, nobody cares about your excuses. Here's the second one. <laughs> no one cares about your effort. Simon says, but we worked hard all night. No, nobody cares about your effort. Did you know we all work? That's, that's what we were put, we, we all, we, here's the funny thing humans are so weird, dude. We're so weird. We, 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 whenever we put in a little bit of effort, we always pick up entitlement. In other words, because I did a little bit of something, all of a sudden I'm, I'm owed something. I worked hard yesterday. What? A, just because you worked hard, well, the sun just rose again. We got another day. And a lot of times, we we I did this, so I'm I should be owed. I should be owed everything. And at the end of the day, you saying, well, I, I can't do that. I can't go after that. I can't be that because it's hard. no one one cares because it's hard hard for everyone. Here's this idea of entitlement that I'm specifically talking about is I try to justify the things that I'm not doing by the things that I'm doing. Let me say it again. This issue of it, I try to justify the things that I'm not doing by the things that I'm doing. I'm trying to help you this morning. Okay so I'm trying to justify the things that I'm not doing by the things that I'm doing but I, but look at all these and you probably experience this in relationships but we got we got to work on this but yeah but we're doing this 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 I know but can I tell you the things that you're doing a lot of times aren't the problem it's the things that you're it's the things that you're not doing and the, thing, the things that you are doing don't take away from the fact that there are things that need to be done. You were put on the face of the planet to work, to do things, to get up, to put in effort. And just because you put in effort doesn't mean that you're owed anything. And as long as you have the mentality that I am owed something by people, I will always be a victim. You, do you hear what I'm saying today? You, you, you are not, you are, can, let me say it like this. You <laughs> Can't believe I'm gonna say this. You are not God's gift to existence. Let me say this though. Your existence is God's gift to you. Did you hear what I said? What am I talking about? I'm just talking, this is a little mentality shift. You can you can do this. This is what I'm talking about. You can do this. You are not God's gift to existence. Your existence is God's gift to you. The fact that I, the fact that I can get up this morning and go after something, that's a gift. The fact that, remember that thing that we said I, when I, I woke up today and when I, I went like that, wow, I'm alive. Something, gratitude practice that I'm trying to do in my life. First breath that I'm out, wow, I'm, I woke up again today. What, what is that a sign that I got, I got, I got, some, I got something to do? I got, I got something to go after. And as long as I'm willing to make excuses, as long as I'm willing to, to, to place my effort in a position that it doesn't belong, I will always be limited. Nobody cares, just like Peter's situation. Nobody cares about your effort. Third one. No one cares about your experiences. So, so, he, so he says, "I'm sitting here washing. I'm sitting here washing my nets. I'm, I'm, I'm clean, cleaning my nets. Right? Nobody cares about your excuses. We're, we're already, we've already cleaned our nets. We can't go back in the water. Nobody cares about your excuses. Uh, uh, we, we worked hard all night. Nobody cares about your effort. The third, third one is this: nobody cares about your experiences. What is this? We caught nothing. And this is one of the hardest ones for humans to get past: your experiences, because it's hard to talk you out of things that you've experienced." I say this all the time. This is why we say, what are weekends about here at the church? Creating a place for people to experience, to know God. We, we, want, we want a space where people come in here and they don't just go through the motions of religion, but they have something, man, that tags their heart. And I don't know what I felt and I can't explain it. But when the band started singing and they started preaching, when I just got in the room, when I went and got my snacks, at the, something just felt different on the inside. We want people to experience. Why? Because there's things that you've experienced in your life. The things that you've experienced are the hardest things to let go of, good or bad. You ever talk to somebody that was sexually abused as a child and you see them maybe in their 50s or 60s or 70s and they haven't talked about it their entire life? You ever seen those moments where they start talking about it and the emotion just, some of you in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you, you're there, that, that's, that's your life. Injustice that happened to you along the journey. Moments that, man, to even speak of them Make you kind of shake and make you feel uncomfortable, make you instantly emotional. Why? Because it's hard to let go of the things that I've experienced. When when I say nobody cares about your experiences, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying nobody cares about the things that you've experienced. What I'm saying is using your experiences as an excuse. To keep you from a place that God has called you. Nobody cares about that because you have an ability, I'm here to tell you today, through the blood of Jesus to push past the things that you have been through. Past the things that you have experienced. We see stories of this all the time. People who have grown up in unspeakable situations, they're able to get past these negative things and have tremendous outcomes. I think sometimes, though, the harder experiences to overcome are not the negative ones. I think sometimes the hard experience to overcome are the positive ones. What am I talking about? It was better back then. Man, why can't we get back to the way it used to be, the good old days? I think sometimes in life, it's the positive experiences that you, we We have become in, in our life... Neurotic about nostalgia, obsessive about this feeling, this sentiment of the way that it used to feel. And if you could go back, it it really wouldn't feel that way anymore. And I see people do this all the time, try to try to keep relationships the same as they used to be, try to try to keep uh, business relationships, run their business like they used to run their business. And if you if if you if you try to do things like you used to do them, you're going to miss out on what God is wanting to do today. Don't allow. help me say it like this. Don't allow a good thing in your past to keep you from a God thing in your future. Did you hear what I said? No. Don't just hear that with your Instagram inspirational, oh, so good, ears. Like, think about that. Don't allow the good things. God has done some incredible things in your journey, but don't allow those good things to keep you from the God things. What am I talking about? He's getting, they've, I'm sure they've had some the catches of fish. They say, wow, look at all the fish that we ca- they caught. But they never caught no fish where it made their boats start to sink. And if Jesus would have said, you know what? We're gonna catch so many fish. Y'all's boats are about to sink. They probably been like, yeah, well, we've caught. So let me tell you this one time we caught a lot of fish. They probably wouldn't even believed him. What am I saying? Sometimes you experience good things and you want to you go back to the good old days. But I'm just like Chip and Joanna Gaines. I believe that the good old days are still to come. I believe that the good old days, the things that, man, those those times, I believe they're not in your past. I believe that they're in your future. But you're going to have to be willing to push past experiences, good and bad, good and bad. What, how, how do I do that? It's an open heart to know that God has new experiences for you. Something my dad was saying this morning, there's things in life, it's like scrambled eggs. You can't unscramble the eggs, but there can be, I'm telling you, you, there's things that you can't fathom. There's no way that they could have fathomed that God was gonna do something like this. and Yet he has something in store. Okay, so, so number one, nobody cares about your excuses. Nobody cares about your effort. Nobody cares about your experiences. Here's the last one. Nobody cares, but God. Let me say it again. Nobody cares, but God. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. God cares about your excuses because as long as you keep them, they will stay in the way of what he's wanting to do in your life. God God cares about your effort and you know why God cares about your effort because he can only bless the things that you set your hand to do. He just wants you working on on the right thing. He doesn't want you in this world being baited and sedated, enticed into an ideology that you have to externally hustle to become somebody. God God doesn't want you externally hustling. He wants you internally hustling. How can can I be a better me? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better friend? How can I be a better father? How can I be more grateful today? How can I be more thankful? How can I shift my perspective? I know it seems like a dark time, but how can I anchor the inward part of me? There's a portion of scripture that said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would move a mountain. And and we think about this within the context of, of, you know, great external things. But I was thinking about this the other way. If you have faith, what are we talking about? Trust. If you could trust me just a little bit, you can move a mountain. I think sometimes the external mountains are moved when you first move the internal ones. If I could have trust internally just to let go of my excuses. Is anybody hearing me this morning? If I could have just a little bit of trust where I could let go of my need to, to be significant based upon the effort that I put in and just start working on me. I believe that I could say to mountains to move. And they would move. If I could just trust him with my experiences, what could God do? What could God do in your life? God cares. Really, we're wanting everybody else to care about our situations. Really irrelevant. This is why the Bible says, God says this in scripture. We quote it all the time: cast your cares upon me because I care for you. That's a that's a potent thought, folks. Like I know it's easy to get caught up in rhetoric and you've heard that script. Think about that. Give me your burdens because I care about what you're carrying. You want your mom to care. You want your dad to care. You want want your president to care. I care is what God's saying. Those those financial burdens, those relational burdens, that anxiety, that depression, those family issues, cast it on me. Those insecurities pour out your heart before me because I care for you. And this is, in essence, what Simon, Simon does i got a lot of excuses. We're sitting here, dude, cleaning our nets. This is inconvenient. We worked hard all night. We worked hard all night long. We caught nothing. But if you said it, (laughs) I'm going to cast my cares on you. They're ready to throw in the towel. Jesus wants them to throw down their nets. Some of you in this place find yourself in a similar position. Wanting to throw in the towel on life. Wanting to throw in the towel on what you're up against. And I'm here to tell you, you got to go after it again. you got to do it again. Because the best things that you need in life are on the other side of you not taking on the world like a strong man. But you going within yourself, letting go of your excuses. Letting go of the things that you think make you significant as a result of your effort. Letting go of your experiences so that God can do the miraculous. And they let down their nets. And all of a sudden, this impossibility, somebody needs to hear me with their deep, like internal spiritual ears this morning. What has been an impossibility for you? What has been the mountain that it seems like we can't conquer this one? What's been, what's been the moment in your life where I would love to, but, I would love to, but the impossibility. They let down their nets and they start catching fish. The text is crazy because it says their nets start to break. So they're losing fish, but they're gaining more fish than they're losing. Who am I talking to this morning? What would it be like to be in a position that even when I'm losing, I don't feel it because God's favor is just following me so strong? People people still, people ain't going to change. they still going to try to deceive you and lie from you and rob for you. But what if, if for every net that's breaking, God's just filling that boat even more to the point where that boat can't even stay afloat? boatloads of fish like think about this and you know what it does it, it causes Simon you know his response it's the, it's, the, it's the only response that you come to when you truly do this when how do I know if I'm really letting go of my excuses my effort my experiences I because I, at that point I'm stuck with me and I begin to see that I don't even deserve to be here this is what, where Simon finds himself after he's obeyed God what does he say Go away from me because I'm a sin. I don't deserve this goodness. I don't deserve this faithfulness. And this is the point about favor, the things that God wants to do in your life. You got to get it out of your head that somehow you are qualifying for the favor of God. You don't qualify for the favor of God. you, you, you You surrender. You surrender for the favor of God. This is the great exchange. I let go of everything that I am so that I can receive everything that you are. I let go of everything that I am so I can receive everything that you are. So when I let go of my excuses, my effort, my experiences, I'm stuck with me and I see, wow, look how good God is. Look how good God is. That he has graced me with feet to walk. That he has graced me with lungs to breathe. That he has graced me with blood so that I can live. That he has graced me with a family. That he has graced me with my existence. Look how good God is. I certainly don't deserve it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough for it. I haven't worked enough for it. I've made way too many mistakes to qualify for this. But it's not about me. Look how good he is. I think the most crazy the craziest part about this story. It says when all their boats were full, their need, their need with the, the dream, the dream was accomplished to the point that it superseded anything that they could ever imagine. And did you catch what happened? The boats are sinking. They come into shore. Their miracle has arrived. What's crazy is they don't take the fish and go to the fish market. Like, if it's me, this is what I was believing for. This is my moment. Oh, the money, the friends, the fame, the the thing, it, whatever it is for you. And they don't focus on it. The Bible says that they leave all, they leave all that and they go after Jesus. What? Hear me, hear me this. Don't you miss this today. When real favor shows up in, in your life, when, when, when real, how do you know real miracle? When real miracles show up in your life. They don't cause you to fall in love with the miracle. They cause you to fall in love with the mission. This is why I say favor is for the journey, man. It's for the journey. It's not to fall in love with the miracle. It's to fall in love with the mission. What am I talking about? What's the mission? What could your family look like? Man, what could could your marriage look like? What could our church look like? What could we do if we would be committed to a mission when the favor shows up that is not about us, it's not about the four walls of this church? What if we could open an invitation to our community to come and know God, to find freedom by building relationships, to discover their purpose so that they can make a difference in the world? What if we realize the potency of what we have here to not just be so focused on us, but to know that the miracles that happen here, they're not for us, they're for the community. They're not just the moments that happen here. They're not for us. They're for the community. When this band lifts their voice and sings, it's not just for us. It's a sword. It's a weapon to change the world, to make transformation happen. Happen everywhere that you look, when you look around this room and you see different cultures represented, when you see different generations represented, what if we realized the the resource that we had as a community, that we didn't just fall in love with the miracle, but it led me to fall in love with the mission. The mission that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it did in heaven. That his kingdom would come, that his will would be done, hear me, that his kingdom would come, his way of doing things, which is way better than my way of doing things. That his will would be done, his desire would be done on earth in my marriage, in my occupation in my family, with my kids, as it pertains to my legacy, that his will would be done on earth in those things as it is in heaven. You know what heaven is? It's a place where there is nothing missing, nothing broken. Do you have things that are missing? Do you have things that are broken? This morning, maybe we could just take a second and evaluate maybe the things that have been keeping us from going after, stepping into the place that God has for us. It really is the place that unlocks things, that gets me to not just fall in love with the miracles, the miraculous, the object at hand. Why, what, is the, what am I talking about? Why you're here. Why you're here. Would you close your eyes and me all across this room? God, today, as we wrap up our time together, very quickly, we just take a second to internally. Would you take a second just right where you're at? There's been elements of this, I'm sure, that have hit home with you. Um, would you just just open up your heart to God in a way that only you can hear? God, would you just, uh, this is all I could ask, would you illuminate the areas that we need to see? The things that we need to see, the adjustments that need to be made, the place where... Where it's not even our work, we just need to invite you in. Some of you here today, that's your step. You just need to invite God in. He's been a figure that hung on a cross in your living room, and He's external, and He's church, and He's, you need to invite Him internal, into your internal world. This is, I, th- I think a lot of us find ourselves like Simon. I'm okay with you getting in the boat, but don't try to tell me what to do. I think in this place, man, we don't need to just make him our savior. Not just let him get in the boat, but make him your Lord. God, you're, I've, I'm spinning my wheels trying to crack the code. Anybody ever felt like that? I'm spinning my wheels trying to figure out how to fix my marriage. I'm spinning my wheels trying to figure out how to make more money. I'm, tri- I'm spinning my wheels. I'm spinning my wheels. I'm spinning my wheels. And I'm here to tell you, God has answers. I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they just started crying because they're under great financial pressure, and they don't know what to do. They have skills, talents, and abilities, but they don't know, They don't. some of you find yourself in that position. You gotta invite God in. You gotta practice what we're preaching today because the t- the, the moments in the, when when you invite God in, all of a sudden things that were hidden in obscurity start to find clarity. You're not gonna find clarity. Somebody, just hear me. You're not, I know, I know, I know you're an intellectual and you think you're gonna find clarity in another book. You think you're gonna find clarity in, in connecting yourself to somebody who is great in the industry that you wanna be in. You're gonna find clarity when you go inward in word, if you had a little bit of trust, <laughs> think about that. If you had a little bit of trust, if you just had a little bit of trust, you could say the mountains be removed and they move. Not just muscle it faith. You said it, God, you're going to do it. You said it, you're going to do it. No, if you had a little bit of trust, to what? To let go of your excuses. Excuses, what are all these things? These are things that I use to keep myself feeling safe. I feel safe behind my work. I feel safe behind my excuses. I feel safe behind my experiences that become my identity. He says, let down your nets. Let down your excuses. (laughs) Let down your effort that has justified you to this point. Let, Let down your experiences and let me do what only I can do. Start playing offense. Stop playing defense. Start playing offense. Stop playing defense. Start playing Jesus, offense. Jesus, be the center of my life. I give you all of me. I give you all of me. Jesus, be this center of my life. be the center of our Come on, whenever you're ready, just as a step I of trust, just as a public declaration Lord, of your personal decision, I want you to stand to your feet you and I want you to open your heart. Invite Lord, him into your boat. Lord, God, whatever you want me to do, I've been, I've been Lord, grinding Jesus my wheels. Be I've been fishing all night. Who's been fishing Lord, all night? Who feels beat up because you were fishing all Lord, night long and caught nothing? Do it again! Go after it again! God, so we look bigger you than you our experience. just between you and God would you tell him would you tell him God would you heal me from my experiences some of you you've been it's the heavy things but some of you it's hard for you to let go of the good experiences that you've had in your past because it's hard to believe that he could do more than what he did back then it was so good because it was those moments where you said I can't explain it this has to be God it's time to put that away because it's it's keeping you from what he wants to do it's so much bigger than that it's it's not just net breaking it's boat breaking it's not just net breaking it's it's like boat sinking like I'm talking about bigger than you could ever have dreamed some of you it's hard for me to even for you to even believe that when I say that because you've heard it before that's what I'm talking about let go of that thing let go of the cynicism Come on, can we, can we do that? I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Can we do that together? Come on, right now where you're at. God, I make a choice today to, to, to surrender my cynicism. God, I, su- I surrender those things that, that I don't want to doubt you, but my experience had put me in a position to think, yeah, I know he can, but I don't know if he will. Today, God, we just anchor ourselves that not just you can, we believe that you will. We will be people that will risk, that will step out, that will throw in our nets again, that will let go of our excuses, that whether we're inspired or not, we're going to change, we're going to move, we're going to grow. We're going to go. We're going to do the things that you have put us on the face of the planet to do. So we allow, we allow ourselves to let go of the reins, to relinquish control once again. God, right now in this moment, I just declare healing over experiences. I just declare healing over sexual abuse in your life today. I declare where there has been infidelity in marriages and it has caused a wedge to be driven between you and you thought it will never be the same again. I echo, I echo the voice of our leader today and I say in this place, it is a new beginning. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have Come new. Today he's t- he's pulling the stinger out. He's removing the sting. He's removing the sting. He's removing the sting. God, we have paid for it. We expect it. We say yes. We say yes. We so say I yes. You, we say yes. You Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to SalvationChurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.